Hi, everybody. And welcome to That's Life, the show where we're worried the FAA is getting its news updates from CNN and the New York Times. Good morning, folks. Thanks for listening. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, general manager here at the Nachum Siegel Network. You can find me here every Thursday at 10 a.m., right after Charlie and right before the live lunch, as I hope to bring you a little entertainment, a little news, and a little relief that the life you are leading is not nearly as wacky as mine. Coming to you from the home of the Nachum Siegel Network on the beautiful Lower East Side, I'm joined by Avrami. Okay, now that's louder. Okay, thanks, Avram. <laughs> yep, if you worried. Oh, no, there we go again. All right, Avram, good morning. How's it going? Well, it'd be good if I could hear out of both ears of these cans. All right, I'm all right. working on it. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. Um, we appreciate That's much better. That's what much better. All right, good. Now I can now I can hear myself loud and and I do mean loud. <laughs> I'm gonna have to tweak that. Loud and clear. How's it going? You've uh, you've had a quiet week. You haven't traveled across the globe. No, yeah, it's been it's pretty pretty good. The trip <laughs> in today was pretty good, right? So that's why I was saying, like, you know, I had to come in today, you know, because we were talking about, like, you know, you guys are going on the job doing your thing. I got to be on the job doing my I thing. I appreciate you know? that. I appreciate that. Yes. Um, as many of you know, Nachum and I traveled to Israel this week. We spent more time in transit than we actually did on the ground. Um, but those hours that we spent on the ground were completely worth it. And uh, frankly, they were transformative. I think that that's the word I came up with this morning to describe our experience, uh, flying with Nefesh Benefesh and these unbelievable Olim. But I will talk about that later in the show, plus interacting with people on the ground in Israel and um, experiencing an Azaka for ourselves while we were in the airport returning back to New York, or at least I was returning back to New York, not was going away of Geneva. But anyway, um, yeah, this was a transformative week. I cannot believe, I cannot believe that it's only been, um, it's been three days since visiting day on Sunday because it seems like absolutely an eternity ago. If you're a new listener to the show, thank you for taking a break from your day to tune in. If you are a returning listener, thanks as always for making us part of your day. If Miriam L. Wallach once a week is just not enough for you, Friend me on Facebook. Send me an invite on LinkedIn. You can also shoot me an email, Miriam at NahumSiegel.com. Not going to respond to you during the show. I will respond to you, please God, afterwards. You can follow us on Twitter, NahumSiegelNet. That's all one word, as is Miriam L. Wallach. That is my Twitter handle as well. Shout out, by the way, to Benjamin Siegel. I, I can't stop giving him accolades. Not only was he fantastic on JM in the AM Tuesday morning as he sat in while Nahum and I were in Israel, but more than that, he and I uh, shared the booth last night at MCU Park. Were you listening? You, you're nodding. Yeah, I was tuned in for a bit. It was uh, <laughs> it was good. You guys um, had a good uh, report. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Benjamin's great. Benjamin's great, and frankly, somebody needed to be the adult there. So I'm happy he stepped in. Did you hear the my my beginning comments at the top of the show, um, where my kids had wondered in the car whether Benjamin sitting in for Nahum at the game last night meant that Benjamin was my boss <laughs> last night. And um, I missed that, but I heard where you guys were conversing over the first couple pitches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we uh, listen. Thank God. The truth of the matter is, is um, Benjamin did a great job. We're not going to spend too much time talking about baseball because I could talk about it for a while. But there's so much to talk about. Obviously, the events in Israel um, that continue to unfold our experiences this week. Plus, a guest we were not able to get on the air last week due to technical difficulties is able to join us today. So I do want to get. I do want to get moving on today's show, and I also want to let people know that when the clock strikes 11 Eastern time, this show probably will not be over. There's nothing wrong with your clock. I happen to be going overtime. Shout out to Rabbi Yehoshua Fass, Yal Katzman, Tani Kramer, and Ari Shuchman, and everyone else at Nefesh Benefesh. Not only did they facilitate the arrival of hundreds of incredible Olim this week, and I mean that wholeheartedly, but they also make sure that Nachman and I got back to New York, and they really took... Um, our travel situation very seriously, keeping touch with us and doing everything they could every step of the way. Um, my thanks also to um, their travel agent, Ruth, who was phenomenal, totally on top of everything, really worked with us to make sure that we could get back to New York, which which was um, which was of, of major importance for obvious reasons. The work of Nefesh Benefesh folk, folks, I have to be honest with you, their work is God's work. I cannot express that enough. Today, national holidays. Let's do this quickly. It's Cousins Day. Yeah, it's Cousins Day. So shout out to my cousin Miriam Mark, who I've had on the air a number of times. It is her birthday. Happy birthday to Miriam Mark. It is also National Drive-Thru Day. And, folks, I'm all about getting stuff stuff without getting out of my car. It's National Tequila Day. Yeah, made a rummy smile. And it's National Tell an Old Joke Day. I will try and... Um, resist the temptation to partake in that. Let's do a quick fortune cookie. 
Let's see how good Confucius is. Does Confucius know what's going on in Israel? Avrami, what do you think? Does Confucius know that we flew back and forth to Israel and was, were in Israel for 12, 15 hours? What do you think? I don't know, because you didn't just get that today. So. <laughs> I know, but that's the question how good Confucius is. All right. Avert misunderstanding by calm, poise, and balance. Well, I could have used some calm, poise, and balance during the Azaka, I'll tell you that much. Folks, I also just want to mention, there is a rally in New York City this Monday at 12 p.m. in front of the U.N. at Dag Hammarskjöld Plaza. That's 2 Dag Hammarskjöld Plaza in support of our brethren in Israel. I don't know what else you had planned for Monday, but clear your schedule. This isn't a, well, I'll see if I can make it kind of a thing. We have to be there. I don't think people really understand or they really get it, but Israel is fighting for its survival. This this is not a drill. It is our responsibility. This is hopefully going to be a massive, massive rally in support of Israel this Monday, 1230 um, at the UN. I, I highly encourage you to be there. Please, God, Nachum and I are looking forward to being there and showing our support. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. My first guest, Avnet Kleiner, is representing Aleh Negev. Avnet is the development professional for Aleh Negev, which is the special needs village in Israel's Negev Desert. He was born in Netanya to family whose legacy includes the founding of the city of Netanya and the founding of the Israeli Navy, Navy SEALs. So frankly, the Kleiners are not people to be messed with. He has a BA in Middle Eastern Studies from Ben-Gurion University, an MA in Diplomacy from Tel Aviv University. And Aleh, as we have had them on before, is the Center for the Rehabilitation and Advancement of Disabled Children in Israel. Good morning, Avnet. Hey. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I mean, it's afternoon. But, yes. Uh... <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Well, I'm yeah. I'm so jet lagged. I don't really know where I am. So it could be the afternoon <laughs> for me as well. I want to thank you for joining thank us. You. Thank I... you for having me. Oh yeah. no, it's it's my pleasure. I want to thank you for joining me. I know that things are obviously incredibly challenging right now, but I um and that we were unable to get you on the air last week due to obviously very unforeseen circumstances. But I'm happy that we were able to work this out for this week. So people understand. Let's take a step back before we talk about um, what it what it's like to facilitate the safety of the of the numerous residents that Alen Negev has. Let's talk about what mm-hmm. the day-to-day life of Alen Negev looks like without rockets falling. Uh, okay, uh, before we start talking about Alen Negev, I want to mention that yesterday I participated in the funeral of Max Steinberg, ah, okay. the lone soldier from LA. Yes. Uh, and it was one of the most incredible uh, moments I ever had in my life, while 30,000 uh, Israelis came to, you know, to his funeral. It was amazing. Right. It showed uh, the, the bond between Israelis and uh, American Jews. I just want to mention that. And, also, um, and, and it also shows that the term Chayal Bodeid is not accurate. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And Nefesh, the Nefesh as you said before, really doing an amazing job and now Israelis understand more what what does it mean to be a lone soldier and mm-hmm. how we need to hug them and be proud Amen. Um, Amen. about that. So tell me about Allah, what it looks like on a normal, regular day-to-day. Okay, so Allah Negev is a really unique uh, place uh, in, in Israel and in the world. In, in few terms, first thing, it uh, provide 24-hour care for people with spe- uh, special needs of all ages, from infant to 53, 55 is our uh, the, uh, the oldest uh, resident. Okay. Uh, and and in the rest of the world, usually the system, the the government system, helps family until the age of 21. So we provide a full lifespan uh, for whole, all ages. Um, second thing, we treat the most severe cases uh, when usually they put them in a hospital or a nursing home. But beside that, we are a community. It's mm-hmm. an actual village. When we say village, it's really a village. It looks like a village, and it's not like, you know, an, an institution. So our agenda is that in each resident have hidden potential that our job is to find it. So every day... All of the residents, no matter what, how difficult his or her situation is, going out for activities, for swimming pools, wow. for horseback riding therapy, for art therapy, speech, uh, speech therapy, you name it. Uh, so they never stay at, at the rooms. 
every day from 9 a.m. till uh, 1 p.m. They are outside in activities. Then they go into the rooms uh, to, you know, to nap. And at 4, 4 p.m. again, they wake up and, again, go back to their activities until the night. How, so how, they never stay at room. How big is the facility itself? I know that it is quite expansive, I, uh, quite large. I have been in the facility in, in Jerusalem. But in comparison, how big is Ale Negev? So, yeah, as you mentioned, Ale is a branch of uh, four. We have four branches in Ale organization, and Ale Negev is the biggest one. Is 100 dunam. Uh, in acres, is more or less 25 acres. Wow. Yes, it's huge. Wow, that's uh, incredible. Mm-hmm. That's Next time you come, you must uh, visit us. Oh, it would be my pleasure. And actually, um, please God, we'll be we'll be there in a couple of weeks. We'll be returning in a couple of weeks. So Alain Negev is about 25 acres. And on any given day, you have hundreds of residents who are outside for hours and hours a day, enjoying the activities, getting their therapies. Now, what happens when there are bombs falling overhead and you need to secure their safety? Yes, this is a very difficult from... Uh, for many aspects. Uh, first of all, I mentioned that two missiles fell inside the village. Uh, one missile, it was two weeks ago, I think, uh, fell close to the whole uh, range. Oh. Uh, so it was far from, from, you know, from the house of the resident. But two days ago, another missile fell very close to the, to the house of the, re- of the resident, and few windows broke, mm-hmm. and, you know, there was a lot of damage in the area. But uh, all the residents are safe and, and okay. Uh, and when uh, the operation stopped, the IDF came to the village and gave us instructions. And the instruction is for security, and all the residents must stay inside the rooms. Uh, and we have one shelter in each building. So usually they stay in their own uh, private room, maybe with one uh, roommate. But now they must sleep, all of them, for example, 30 in each building in the same room, which is not good for their health. And not only that, as I mentioned before, and you explained it as well, better than me even, that they are usually outside. And now they cannot be outside because we are very close to Gaza. We are um, like five kilometers from Gaza, maybe seven. And we have 30 seconds to go to shelter. So it's impossible if we be out with the residents it's impossible to bring all of them back into the shelter. Wow. So they must stay in the rooms. So they cannot leave the rooms, which is not good for their routine and for their therapy. Right, right. People should understand, by the way, that five to seven kilometers in miles is about three to five miles at max. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. it's right. a, um, no, I just, just to give people a frame of reference, um, you know, if you're running a, if you're running a 10 minute mile, if you are, if you are on pace to run a 10-minute mile, that means this this location is 30 minutes away from Gaza. That is, those are neighbors. <laughs> those yes. those and, are and neighbors. You, men- you mentioned what happened last week that I couldn't uh, go on air. It was because uh, there was a tunnel very close to the village that supposedly we thought that the terrorists uh, got out from the tunnel. And so they shot all receptions, and they shot the road, and so we couldn't. Uh, I could. I couldn't call you, or, right. or you couldn't call me. So, right. but it was very close to the village, which is not just the missiles. It's also, you know, terrorists that can just come. It's it, it's incredible. There are, um, you know, what we see here in the states in terms of images of the tunnels and the and the news reports, etc. It's one thing to see it on either a Facebook post or on Haaretz or on Times of Israel, and it's another thing for you actually to be living it, knowing that underground, right underneath your feet, there are people who are trying to hurt you. Yes, it was uh, very scary, but now uh, we know the, uh, the IDF is amazing and doing great job, and they will eliminate all the tunnels, uh, let's hope. Yes, let's hope. Let's talk about the, the impact that these changes in schedules have had on the residents of Aleh. Okay. There are, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, go. Yeah. No, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> I, 
I, I was I, in speaking to somebody last week on the air who lives in Jerusalem, and we were talking about her children and the importance of structure and the importance of routine. These are the, the, those children that we were resper, referring to or speaking about are mainstream children, um, not ones with physical or, or mental handicaps and and um, or limitations. So I think people need to understand the impact that these changes in schedule and routine and environment have on children with special needs. Yes, as, as I said, our agenda is that in any resident there is a hidden potential, and but it's very, very difficult for us, for us to find it and to develop it. So when the routine stops, it will make it more difficult. So if we could, we could see a progress with someone, mm. now it's really, really uh, got back. Um, but on this regard, I want to mention our main stuff that we figured out in, uh, in Castled that when our staff, Castled was the first operation, if you remember, in right. 2008, right. our staff members have calm and quiet and secure, our residents feel the same. Because they don't really get what's going on going on outside. The only way that they get, you know, anxious or uh, or insecure is through the people they they love. Hmm. So in in Kastled, a lot of workers didn't show up to work because they were scared and they have family uh, in the nearby uh, cities that they need to take care and miss them. Uh, so we developed a way to to explain how much important. Is the, uh, are the residents for us as a society that we must leave no one behind and the most mm. vulnerable members of our society, we must take care of them. So now in this operation, it's amazing. It's only a few years ago when we didn't have workers during the operation and now we have 100% workers come to work. Wow. We have hundreds of volunteers. So now it's amazing what's going on there. And when, they, when the workers are so calm and, and peaceful, also the residents feel it. Wow. Um, yes. That's... Although the difficult, we see some, you know, optimistic things. Right. Wow. That's that's incredible. Avnet Kleiner joins us on the air from Alet Negev. It is located in Israel's Negev Desert as a special needs village. Alet is the Center for the Rehabilitation Advancement of Disabled Children in Israel. Avnet, I do need to ask you in terms of the staff um, and obviously this level of commitment, which is unparalleled and, and heroic, um, are, are, are there situations in which these staff members are no longer able to travel home because of the situation and therefore are spending more time at the village than they otherwise did? Uh, we uh, usually they come on their own, but now uh, we provide them, uh, um, you know, a, sh- a kind of uh, a bus that takes them back and forth. Ah. And not only that, because we don't want them to travel, we they actually they created a summer camp for their kids, <laughs> for their children, <laughs> that's run by the child, the older children of of the workers. So it's located also in the village together wow. with the kids with special needs, and so they are near their families, so they don't need to take to to you know to worry or to all the time call back home because their their kids is near them. So what happened now in the village? It's really amazing. I think it's kind of microcosmos of what happened in Israel. You you've been here last week and you saw how how the Israelis and the Jews together bond and you know. During peacetime, we like to criticize each other, and mm. the Israelis sometimes annoying and, and pushing, and you know right. all the stereotypes about Israelis. And during this operation, everyone is so together and help right. each other. And the same thing happened in the village. It's incredible. It's really incredible, and that is definitely something that um, that we noted this week is the the one mind, um, the one heart, the one mind. That is totally. that is completely evident across across Israel and the um, and in specific with our experience this week the support that the Olim received from such important dignitaries and from Rav Lau um, who was able to be at the Tekas even though it was very small and it was um, definitely scaled down it was there's a tremendous 
showing of support. Um, the families, and, and with this I'm going to have to close, the families of your residents at, at Allah, have, has anyone tried to bring their, their child home back to their home because they're concerned about safety or, or they're comfortable with having their children and their family members remain with you despite the situation? I met, uh, the same day that I was supposed to be on air, I met one of the parents, uh, of, one of the first residents uh, of Aleph for eight years ago. Uh, they live in Caesarea. Caesarea is safe. Uh, I think they didn't have even one siren. Hmm. And they wanted to take him back for, you know, for the time of the operation. Right. And after two days in, in the home, they felt that he preferred to be with his with his friends, <laughs> with his, you know, caregivers. He loves his family. They come every day and he hugs them and everything. But he preferred to be with his fam- uh, with his friends. So they brought him back to the village after two days. Wow. And he's there, yeah. <laughs> so I guess that, that certainly answers my question. That's for sure. Yeah, that- he, chose, he chose where to be. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, Avnet, I, I, th- I can't thank you enough for making the time, and I'm happy that, thank God, things worked out this week that you were able to join us. Ale Kleiner from Ale Negev. Kolakavod to you. Continued Hatzlacha in your good work. And um, may you continue to see peace and security. Thank you so much, Miriam. And I'm so sorry for last week. No and worries. Yes, together, the Jews will win. Amen. Amen. Kol Tov. Bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. My next guest joins us on the phone, Rabbi Kenneth Branders, the Vice President for University and Community Life at Yeshiva University and the David Mitzner Dean of the Center for the Jewish Future. Good morning, Rabbi Brander. Good morning, Miriam. How are you? I, I am well, but I think a lo- much larger question I can ask is, how are you? I'm doing great. Baruch Hashem. <laughs> we're, just, uh, we're just passing a, a group uh, almost at every corner in the south and the north. You have youth with these big flags just speaking about the unity of Israel in this very trying time. Yes. People, Baruch Hashem, uh, things, are, things are well. Thank God. Rabbi Brander is in Israel as we speak. He is accompanying a counterpoint group of students from Yeshiva University who are presently in Demona, or were you already in Demona? No, we're presently, actually today is our final uh, program in Demona and Arad. Where we're working with around 150 youth uh, teens at risk, um, and our teenager, our, our college students, 35 of them, are working uh, really well with these uh, teens, doing exceptional jobs. This is their ninth year. This wow. year has been a little bit more trying than in the past years. Yes, I, I would I would say that that's an understatement. Let's start let's start with talking about the students that were brought over by Yeshiva University who are part of the program. Tell me what what caliber of students that we're looking at because clearly not only are we speaking about a commitment to the land and a commitment to the Jewish people, but a commitment to their commitment to um, uphold what what they said that they were going to do even before the um, the situation became what it was. Well, one of the great uh, components of Yeshiva University is that we allow our students and we empower our students and give them the opportunities uh, to be able to change to change the world, whether it's through internships or whether it's through programs like this, so they really can actualize their potential. I believe that the most important journey a student takes on these trips is not the one to Israel, but the journey of self-discovery. Mm. And we always have more applicants than unfortunately we have spaces um, but uh, we pick uh, in this time around 35 students who spent the first two weeks in Kiryat Gat and Kiryat Malachi until the missiles actually uh, caused the army to end all summer camps in mm-hmm. those regions right. um, and we're actually uh, going to be meeting with students from Kiryat Gat and Kiryat Malachi uh, on Tuesday in a special program actually outside of the south and the last two weeks they've been working with youth at risk in Demona and in Arad, teaching them in English, working on their self-esteem, dealing with some of the social service issues. So any student who's willing to not only volunteer but help pay for their flight to Israel wow. is obviously a unique student. They could be doing a whole bunch of other things with their summer. Right. But this is what, what they're focusing on. Um, it's young men, young women who um, continue to grow and uh, continue really to, in the process of giving, I believe they receive so much in return. Wow. 
That's incredible. What number of year for this uh, for you is this? This is uh, the CJF started uh, nine years ago, um, and this is our ninth summer of Counterpoint. Um, and one of the nice things about Counterpoint is that it's not just the Yeshiva University program. We obviously have some expertise in this. We have staff at, uh, from Yeshiva University, real good professionals uh, who work in Israel uh, on this program. But we also work with all of the municipalities, with the mayors, with the social workers, with the heads of the schools, to the point that now in the winter we go back to these places and it has become official policy in some of these uh, cities now that they actually uh, have one week of school that is actually run by Yeshiva University students. Wow. So it's really become integrated as really part of the uh, educational system, both formal and informal, uh, of these development towns in the South. And, Miriam, I know you know this, um, and that is, unfortunately, the South, um, because of the ingathering of all the exiles, Ethiopia and Russian and others, really has a lot of challenges with poverty right. and the culture and the cycle of poverty um, and the challenges that trickle down to the young, to the young, uh, where often um, their parents don't have the capacity to fully focus on their needs. Are your students, um, while they are trained and while they're prepared, are they surprised by what they see in terms of, of that level of poverty and and, um, and and lack of education and lack of family structure, are they are they challenged by that? I think I think yes. I think our students are sometimes challenged by it, but there's a full process in which they go through. First of all, you know, the same way we, when we train rabbis, we remind them that they're not mental health professionals; they're 911 responders. <laughs> we say the same thing to our students: right. they're not mental health professionals. So, for example, yesterday when one of uh, our uh, counselors came across a very uh, serious social situation with one of their campers, um, the first thing we did was speak to the social workers and turn it over to the social workers, mm. Demona, uh, because, again, it's really the, our responsibility to focus um, and to make sure that we connect with the mental health team uh, within the communities that we work. So, yes, it is challenging, but I think they've learned from those experiences, and I think um, it really empowers them. Are you, um, while this is not your first rodeo, so to speak, and I'm, I'm taking that line from a movie, if, while this is not your first time on this kind of an experience, are you still surprised? Does it take you aback, or you, this is what you expect at this point? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, always amazed by the experience there. I'm always impressed by the heroic efforts of our students. The biggest concern that our students had this year was they were afraid, for correct reasons, that I might I might uh, pull them out of Demona mm. during the fact that almost every single day, um, you know, they found themselves in shelter at least for a few minutes. Right. Uh, but the the most important piece is to realize that we didn't pull them out because we have. Uh, you know, a security team here because Yeshiva University coordinates for around 2,000 students every year, coordinates all different types of programs. So we have a full, uh, we have a full group here. And, um, and what happens is they give us guidance of what we can do and what we can't do. Wow. Rabbi Kenneth Brander joins us on the phone. He's the Vice President for University and Community Life at Yeshiva University and the David Mr. Dean of the Center for Jewish Future. And he's accompanying a phenomenal group of students from Yeshiva University on counterpoint as they are stationed or they are serving the communities of Demona and um, facing what seems to be an unbelievable task that is that is only left for certain people who are really very special and really very talented. Um, Rabbi Brander, if we could just talk for a second, and and um, if, if you hadn't tweeted it out or it hadn't been tweeted out, I don't think I would have brought it up, but you presently have a son serving in Golani. Yes, um, we have a son serving in Golani. Um, he's uh, early on, he's been... Uh, you know, he was mid around four months ago, so he's still in, um, you know, the training stage. Golani soldiers get trained uh, for eight months, so he's still in. Now he finished what's called the Tiranut piece, so he's in the more advanced training. 
He's a sharpshooter. I must add that the other sharpshooter in his unit uh, is also a uh, alumnus of MTA and wow. on a leave of absence from Yeshiva University. Wow. I think there's a minion of a minion of students on the Gowali base, uh, Yeshiva University, uh, uh, on leave of absence from Yeshiva University. We could open up a little branch there. I am, um, I am, I am moved to tears. I'm sorry to interrupt. I am absolutely moved to tears by that piece of information. Incredibly and, proud. And, and I'm very, pro- and, and my wife and I, Rookie and I, are very proud of him. This was a decision that he made. Um, and uh, he, he's, you know, the, his. I think his training has been interrupted by this, especially because Golani's gone through some really challenging times over the past, uh, you know, few weeks, and he feels, or a few days past week, and he feels the pain of his comrades. Um, and uh, they've done some shmira, which my son says is no big deal, but uh, shmira <laughs> and cover on the least for scarens is not is is not a small thing. Right. But Baruch Hashem, he's doing well, and uh, he's doing great, um, and uh, and we're we're proud of him. He's doing what what he you know he, what we've always taught him about, and that is the opportunity to build Medina Israel, and he's taking it uh, very seriously. Do you do you do you connect now with um, Israeli parents and Israeli families on a level that you didn't or you weren't able to beforehand? Yeah, I think that what's happened to my wife and I is that we're no longer armchair Zionists. Huh. So when you, uh, you know, when you hear about a God forbid someone has been injured or uh, God forbid somebody has been killed, I mean, you you understand that in a much more concrete way uh, than you've understood that before, um, and you you know, for reasons that that are even hard for me to articulate, but I think. You know, you understand, and your viewers understand. It's a whole different. It's a whole different world. We're part of a. We're part of a family, and we're part of a family of Israeli parents, um, who put their children's life at risk to do something that's critically important to guarantee the immortality of our people. Mm. Um, and uh, and at the same time, we're also concerned about the fact that in two weeks from now we leave Israel, and uh, our son on the you know when he gets off. Uh, at least for the past few weeks, his mother's been doing his laundry, and <laughs> I know it sounds like a trivial thing, but no, uh, we'll, miss, we'll miss even those. We'll miss even that, you know. Right. But right. Uh, we're very, again, we're very proud of him. We love, you know, and uh, we're proud of all of the Israeli soldiers. And you know, the term that they use for Israeli soldiers whose parents, you know, are in America is a chayal bodeid. Right. But it's, it's a lone soldier. But I've I've come to realize that in the Israeli army, there's no such thing as a lone soldier. Mm. Um, I can't tell you how many times that we've walked with them in the street, and uh, people have just walked over to him to say thank you, um, or that people just walk over and say take take our phone number, mm. or give me your phone number, or how many times he gets phone calls to see you know, where he is for Shabbat, or how how the officers who you know have a very tough exterior because they're training. You know, front combat nice. soldiers uh, will make sure that he calls his mommy and his daddy um, <laughs> at different times. Um, it's it's uh, it's an army of uh, run by Jewish mothers, um, and the mesachim and the office and the commanders know that. Wow, that is um, that is <laughs> incredibly incredibly moving. Rabbi Kenny Brander joins us on the phone. Um, from Israel. Again, he is the Vice President for University and Community Life. I'm just trying to be a little less choked up. That's why I'm talking through. Uh, and is also the David Mitzner Dean of the Center for the Jewish Future. Speaking of speaking of parents concerned for their children, how many phone calls, or were there any phone calls that you received from parents here in the States of the students that you brought with you who said maybe it's time to bring them back? Um, well, I, ha- I received just very few, but I, I think I was a little proactive and made sure that the parents knew that we were taking care of them and the protocols that we went through. I mean, Yeshiva University in Israel has really uh, a wonderful infrastructure under the leadership of Stephanie Strauss um, and with the help of Shuki Taylor and uh, Kiva Rabinsky and Gila Rockman, all unbelievable professionals. I mean, there is one person on our staff who is really works on security issues, and mm. he's connected with with the Shin Bet, with the Army, with, you know, what they call Homeland Security, Pico de Oref. Um, and, 
by always informing parents of what we were doing and proactively dealing with it. And when there was in Kiryagat and Kiryamalachi missiles that landed near where they were staying, and considering that the Army told us, we're canceling the YU camp for sure. And I asked them why, and they said, because you, you take the poorest kids. So they walk to the camp, and they oh. walk miles to the camp. Wow. Our camps are totally full. So we're canceling your camp. So when, when parents saw that in the middle of the night, we've just pulled all the kids out of, um, you know, Kiryat Gat, Kiryat Malach, and we brought them to Jerusalem. And they wasted no time, and they started volunteering uh, with an important organization called Afi Kim that works with youth at risk. Right, sure. That need some help. Yeah. So I think parents see that we, we take this very seriously. It's it's no different than my child hmm. um, would be there. I, I treat it no differently. Unfortunately, when my child, you know, is guarding Chevron, they won't let me pull him out. <laughs> but, uh, but hey, uh, they know that we care and, and that their children are our students and that their children are as precious to me and to all of the Yeshiva University's professionals as our own children. Wow. What does the rest of the trip look like? You're, you're, you're wrapping up pretty soon, correct? Yeah, well, the students, please God, finish on Tuesday. I will breathe a sigh of relief, not that I'd lo- love to see anyone leave Israel, right. but I'll, sure. I'll breathe a sigh of relief uh, when they leave, um, only because, again, they're doing wonderful work. Right. But uh, locus parenti is always a little bit uh, you know, <laughs> on your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, um, I look forward to giving some of our staff and some of our precious uh, professionals here at YU a little bit of a break because they've been working away from their families round the clock when the sirens were going off in Jerusalem and they wanted to be with their families. They were with uh, their other set of children, namely the YU students, uh, in Demona and Arad and Kiryat and Kiryat Malachi. So I'm looking forward to that. And for me, for us personally, uh, we'll be here for another uh, 10 days or so. Uh, my hope is to, to do a little writing, uh, to spend some time with my family, and for my wife and I to give our uh, soldier son a few extra hugs uh, before, we, uh, before we get back on that plane. What have, what have your other children said, by the way, about your about your son's service? I I think all of our all of our children, um, you know, take it take it differently. But there's one common thing that all of our children feel, and that is they're very proud of their brother. So our older two children, who recently got married, and I have to tell you, my wife did not cry at the wedding. But then <laughs> the mornings, my son was in Gush for two years before he started the army. So our children got married uh, a few weeks apart from each other. Wow. Um, so uh, when my son came in twice, the next morning after the wedding, he sat with us at breakfast in, in public areas and told us that he was uh, he wanted to do this uh, army <laughs> in thing. Public, in public areas, um, yeah. <laughs> and in a public place. My wife held it together. My wife held it together through the wedding. But when he said that he wanted to go into the army, let's just say that I'm much happier that it was in public. <laughs> Uh, uh, although she, you know, anyone anyone who saw it knew that she was uh, bawling. Right. But uh, um, but but at the same time, I, I think that all of our children, so the older two have a different perspective, and their wives, uh, you know, our newest daughters have a different perspective. Our daughter, who just graduated Stern, you know, also there is a you know special relationship, and then we have a younger son who's just nine, hmm. and I think for him, in some ways, it's, it's very different um, because uh, this, is, this is, you know, Yosef, our, our, our soldier's son, is the one I think in many ways he's the closest with, hmm. um, and therefore, in some ways, it's been, uh, you know, I think he, sometimes he finds it harder, wow. um, and uh, he, he looks at things differently because he looks at them you know, the youngest is always an adult, but he's still nine years old. Right. Oh, isn't that the truth? Isn't that yeah. the truth? That is really very, very well said. Rabbi Brander, I, I mean, I honestly wish we had another 15, 20 minutes, though I'm not sure that my mascara could take it. But um, but I really appreciate you, you joining me on the air and speaking so much for, from the heart and also for so well representing Yeshiva University there and for bringing this incredible cadre of students as an alum. I'm moved to tears, so proud, so proud of the work that YU is doing in Israel. 
Call a cover to you. I, again, it's I think it's important to realize that, you know, these were the visions of President Joel when he started to, to become president to make sure that the experience of YU had a latitudinal and longitudinal reach uh, to expand the bandwidth of our students. And when you're blessed to work with people like I am, like Chucky Taylor and Gila Rockman and Kiva Rubinsky, uh, in Israel, I mean, the sky's the limit of what we can do to expand the horizon of our students. So I feel blessed. Amen. 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 Well, stay safe. Kol kavod to you. My best to your family and to all of the students. And uh, return safely in a few weeks. Thank you, Miriam. Take Always care. Always good speaking to you. A pleasure. Take care. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm going to take a deep breath. <laughs> And try and temper myself as I introduce my third and final guest, Ariella Wiener, joins us on the phone from Jerusalem. She has recently started an unbelievable online campaign to give chizuk to a segment of the population in Israel that often are forgotten about because they don't wear fatigues and they don't carry guns, but they man the home front because these are the women or the wives or the girlfriends or in this case the fiancés of the IDF. Hello, Ariella. Hi, Miriam. How are you? Thank you so much for joining me. I know that your Khatan, your fiancé, is currently serving in the IDF. He's in Golani and is currently in Gaza, and obviously our thoughts and our prayers are with him and his entire plugan with all of the IDF. Tell me, um, tell me how this entire um, online campaign started. What was your motivation? What was your inspiration? Well, a few days ago, I received um, an anonymous letter giving me chizuk and gift certificates for a manicure and free breakfast at a restaurant. <laughs> um, yeah, this time has been really hard for me, and this gift just lifted my spirits. And I decided to try and channel my frustration into doing good for others and try to make other women feel as good as I did when I got this uh, gift. So we started this campaign. Unbelievable. So how do how are the different ways that people can participate and explain to people how they can take part in this campaign? So we started an Indiegogo campaign. Um, if you go on to Indiegogo.com and type in Lift Their Spirits, um, there are different um, options of different amounts that you can donate. And we are in touch with different vendors in Israel who have been amazing. Everyone wants to help and do as much as they can for these women. And we are sending out letters nonstop. People mm. keep giving us more names. Yeah. Women have been sending us emails saying that this has lifted their spirits and that they are so happy and it's exactly what they needed. Wow. You can send manicures, breakfast, flowers pedicures, massages, it's all on the, on the website. And all of these, uh, people should just know, and I was I was um, thankful to be given the link yesterday, which is what put me in touch with Ariella, and I yesterday I participated in it. I can tell you as a giver, forget the receiver for a second, because you're speaking as a person who's received one of these kinds of gifts, but as a person who was able to give, being so many thousands of miles away, it felt good just to give and know that I could be making somebody smile who was going through such a difficult time. I agree. I got one, but I'm also a giver. It's so rewarding to hear the responses of these women. It's really what they need. Some of them haven't heard from their husbands in two weeks, and this really just gives them a little bit of time for themselves to try and recharge their energy. I just want people to know that the that the siren that we hear in the background from your phone is not is not an azaka, but it is it is an ambulance. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sound. We all have to identify sounds these days. Um, let me let me ask yeah. you. Yeah, I mean it's it's not really funny, but you know what I'm saying. Um, Actually, as I was on the phone with the aroma lady that was giving me the certificates there she said i have to call you back because there's a siren oh my <laughs> crazy yeah I, I will tell you that um as many people know i i spent tuesday <laughs> i can't even believe i'm saying that <laughs> i spent tuesday in israel um we were able to join nefesh benefesh we landed tuesday morning we left tuesday night and i experienced one azaka while i was in the airport and i um i still i, I still I won't forever forget that 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 fear I felt when I was moving into shelter 
and all the thoughts going through my head, I cannot imagine for a second what it is like to live under this constant threat. Yeah, it's very tough. And to know that your loved one is in the dangerous places is not easy at all. No, no, I I cannot imagine that as well. Let's talk for a second about the beauty of tzedakah. Um, the strength that giving staka gives and the strength of, of receiving somebody's kindness, um, it, it just the extent of that. Yeah, so I would like to say that giving staka and the ability to help is as therapeutic and gratifying for me as it is for the women that we're touching. Um, as difficult a time that this is in Israel, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. Just talking to the vendors, we spoke to iSpa and to Aroma, and everybody just wants to help, and these women just want to give us more names of more women that we can lift their spirits. It's amazing. There's no other country like this. (laughs) Amazing. By the way, Indiegogo is spelled I-N-D-I-E-G-O-G-O.com. Again, you're typing in lift their spirits. You can make somebody smile for as little as $36. You could probably make somebody smile for even less, but I know I yeah. sent I sent somebody flowers for thirty six bucks. You can't even do that in the states. <laughs> and um, what an what an unbelievable opportunity um, that you presented everyone around the world to be able to partake in the efforts in the support of families in in Israel, families who are in depthly involved in the IDF by just doing something as simple as this. And I know that you reached your goal much faster than you expected. We're so overwhelmed by the responses that we got. We never imagined that we could surpass our goal. And you did it only on the first day? Yep. And the goal was what, $1,800? Yes. And so now have you been able to move that goal or do you have to start a second campaign or it just keeps going? Um, you can just keep giving. Um, the more people give, the more women we can help. Our list is growing every two minutes. I keep getting messages as we speak of more women and their addresses. It's funny. Last week, I got a random Starbucks gift card in the mail. And it wasn't, um, it wasn't a gift card from Starbucks, though they like me because I'm a good customer. They, it was from a friend of mine who had decided that what she wanted to do to try and make people smile around here was that she went out and bought five Starbucks gift cards and randomly sent them to friends and put a note in there and saying, I hope this makes you smile today. And she just wanted to pay it forward. She just wanted to move that kind of positive feeling that she was feeling into someone else's life. So while I am not a wife of the IDF and my husband is at his office in Long Island, I can tell you that that random act of kindness made my day. I can only imagine the extent that a that a bouquet of flowers in someone's home who hasn't spoken to their husband in weeks can do. Yeah, exactly. That's what we're trying to achieve. Are there um, are there plans for a second kind of campaign? Mm-hmm. Um, we're very <laughs> overwhelmed by this response. We'll see how it goes, and then we'll decide. Who have been We've been getting, yeah, mothers wanna want us to add their names to not only wives and girlfriends. We'll see. <laughs> well, mothers, yes. I forgot about the mothers, but that makes a tremendous yeah. amount of sense. By the way, people should also note that not only are we helping families, but by pr- making these purchases and making these donations, you're also helping the economy in Israel. Yep, which is rough now. Right, because all of the money is going to different vendors, and those vendors are obviously desperately in need of whatever business can come their way. Um, were you exactly. able to Were you able to, to relax a second and use the manicure and the breakfast that somebody had given you? Not yet. <laughs> now I'm busy trying to pay it forward and give to others, so don't have time for a manicure. No, I, I can't imagine that you do. I also happen to know that you come from a family of doers, you come from a family of people who who come up with ideas like this to support others, and and you move forward. There are plenty of people who have ideas, but there aren't as many people who actually act on those ideas. Tell me for a second just um, about the influence of your parents and your grandfa- grandparents, and 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 um, the inspiration or the support that they've received you've received from them on this. Um, they were very supportive when they saw how good I felt when I got it. 
they said, go for it, try and do as much as you can for other people. My grandparents have sent it out to all their friends. And, yeah, they're very supportive. They're driving me to get gift cards and to the mail, and they've been amazing. Thank That's, God. Thank God. Thank God is right. Um, Ariella Wiener, again, on the phone with us from Jerusalem. She is the brains and the beauty behind this campaign called Lift Their Spirits. You can go and participate by going to Indiegogo.com, I-N-D-I-E-G-O-G-O.com. People should also know that I've posted that link twice on my Facebook page, and anybody following me on Facebook these days know that I spend more time on Facebook than actually talking to human beings. So you can totally go to my Facebook page. Yeah, it's pathetic, but it's true. You can go to my Facebook page, and you can check out the information there, and I really implore everyone to participate. Um, Ariella, just one last question. How does it make you feel to have received such an overwhelming response to what seemed like just a simple but incredible idea? Well, you haven't heard me, you didn't hear me, the first two, three days of this war. Um, I could hardly leave my house. I was having headaches all day, and it just totally boosted my energy. It feels so good to give. I wish that people will give and make them feel good as well as much as they can because it really makes people feel better. Oh my gosh. These women really need it. Well, you are you are incredible. And deserve it. <laughs> uh, I uh, listen, I I'll be the first one to say that, but I also think that you deserve um the accolades that you that hopefully you've been receiving because it's it's pretty incredible. It's pretty incredible the undertaking or this project that you have undertook and the fact that you've already reached your goal. Call a kavod to you. I hope it continues continues to give you chizuk. I hope that your chatan comes home very soon and comes home safely. Me too. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. And I hope you'll be in touch. I would love to hear, even if you just email me, I would love to hear where you guys are even as of next week. I can only imagine how fast you're going to um, surpass your next even mental goal um, of where you hope to be. Thank you very much. And I hope by next week the breakfast for two will be spent by their wives and husbands together. Amen, amen, from your <laughs> mouth to God's ears. Ariella Wiener, thanks again. <laughs> Thank you. Well, she certainly lifted my spirits. You can go to Indiegogo.com, I-N-D-I-E-G-O-G-O.com. Lift their spirits is where you want to go to participate in that. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've been listening since the beginning of the show or you've been listening to Jam and the AM the last couple of days where I had the opportunity to speak to the Jam and the AM audience, I implore you to do something to help. Everyone can be active in some way, shape, or form. Send flowers to somebody, write to your congressman, call the White House, join us at the rally, fly to Israel. I mean, those are obviously extremes. They're extremes, but do something. Thank a chayal. Do something. Thank a family member. This is not just a drill. This is far from a drill. This is Israel's fight for survival. Um, and if I learned anything this week that I didn't already know, it's just the strength of the Israeli people, the resolve of the Israeli people, the um, the heroism of the Israelis, and and I, I could not be I could not be prouder to have been there this week. Mika Amcha Yisrael, that is that is unbelievably unbelievably true. You've been listening to that life here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm Mary Melwalk. Thank you for making us part of your day. Let's go through the lineup. For the rest of the day, so you know what to expect and what to look forward to and what, of course, not to miss. Full afternoon programming continues right after this. The live lunch will be hosted by Avrami this week. It's going to start a little bit after 11. Everyone's going to have to dig deep. It will go till 1 p.m. Eastern time. Today at 1 p.m., Encore of the Stun Show. And starting at 2 p.m., it's a throwback Thursday's Encoring JMAM from years past. Homeward Band with Yigal Siegel. Encore's at 4.30. Buy the book at 5. Charlie Burnhout at 7. Tune in, as we like to say, all day long. Join Nachum tomorrow morning from 6 to 9 as he hosts JM Name live here on the stream, NachumSiegel.com, JMName.org. And don't miss the weekly update with Malcolm Holmline at 7.40 tomorrow morning. I promise you, this segment will not disappoint. There is so much to talk about. I hope they can get it in in 40 minutes. And, of course, Naomi and Table for 2 tomorrow morning. Starting at 9 a.m., Naomi will be back from Australia pretty soon. I'm sure her accent will be stronger than ever. An updated 2014 schedule is on our website, NahumSiegel.com. I need to thank Hillel Scheinfeld from Beit Shemesh uh, for my closing song. He posted it yesterday on Facebook. It is the Tfilah for the Chayalim. 
but it is set to the theme song from Raid on Antebi. It is long. That's why we're going over at the 11 o'clock mark. If it is long, but it is powerful and it is worth every second. If you get a chance, you can also watch it on YouTube. And as I'm joking, but totally true, the link to that is also on my Facebook page. Kol kavod to everyone. And again, my thanks Nefesh Benefesh to bring, for bringing us to Israel this week. And as always, my thanks to my husband for my continued, his continued support of all of my efforts. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys.
ואתם בכתר ישועה ובעטרת ניצחון. ויקוים בהם Oh, yeah. 